previously on the Soundless Surah. Helping Methuselah, Thorne's gonna spot the journal, and he's gonna pick it up and hold it up for Methuselah to take. Methuselah will read it aloud for everyone to hear. This woman seems very upset. Thorne wonders, is she still around? I mean, she is an elf, so... From what we know, of course, she could be here still. Uh, Mortis brushes his hand over the hilt of his new sword. We're ready to go. You hear the voices, which much easier time. There seems to be a total of six of them, speaking rough pattern of language that you have heard before. This is clearly goblinoid. And just as you glimpse past the debris nearest to this large opening, you can see four goblins accompanied by two better equipped warrior goblins. And together, you all position yourselves to the best of your abilities to prepare for your surprise attack. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Serial. An epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Positioning your guys to the best of your abilities, you guys get as close as possible to the opening, to the grove. Just a few feet away from you, you guys see the six goblins, as well as three boxes, big crates that you're sure that you're gonna use as blockade or coverage as soon as combat starts. The war well-dressed goblins, well-equipped, are positioned in front of the crates as they are not worried about cover while the two others are behind the blockades just enjoying talking crap about each other completely unaware of you guys now starts your surprise attack as methuselah gets into position the realization of being in this terrible place where they suffered under the Dark Warden starts to hit them. And they didn't expect it to creep up in such a dark way. And in their ear, they can just hear the breathing of this dragon. And when the dragon moved, there was the jingling of the chain that Dark Warden wore around its neck. And with every step, the ground would shake. And that would always cause Methuselah to just cringe with this overwhelming amount of fear. Is it going to be my day? Will the dragon finally eat me? Or 
crush me or throw more acid at me? Will this be the day that I don't get to see Chrysantha? And there were so many days that I spent here just not feeling like I was ever going to go home to her. And as that happens, the shadows around me start to grow and the tendrils of darkness start to just come off me and Yorick and my eyes glaze over with black and I, in my own mind, my body just rises up and stands right in full view of these goblins. And imagine they see and they probably look and as they turn, the apparition rises up behind me, but this dark figure that at first doesn't take a form, but then these black wings just spread out and they're these big draconic wings as the Dark Warden's form just starts to hang over Methuselah in this huge cloud of darkness as I cast Cause fear, specifically at Closest Oblin. That being one of the well-equipped goblins that sees you and stays frozen in complete fright upon the visage of the Dark Warden as you saw. It does have to do a save, and I'm going to use Sorrowful Fate to turn it into a charisma save. A total of 12. That fails, and he takes 6 psychic damage for my Sorrowful Fate, and he is overwhelmed with both terrible fear and terrible regrets. It is too intense, as damage caused by the sudden fear makes this goblin not only stay in complete frozen fright but he loses functions of his body alleviates himself in his own spot barfs without rolling over it's just a complete biological reaction to the intense fear the only thing missing is for him to just have rolled over and died of fright Welcome to the fear zone. <laughs> Thorn is going to throw an eldritch blast at this goblin as red glows around him and the flowers fly towards the goblin, almost like flying around Methuselah. And yeah, I'm gonna roll. Right ahead. That's a 26 to hit. Roll the damage. That's 10 force damage. As it's pushed back by the explosion of the eldritch blast on his chest, this goblin falls to the ground, hitting his head against one of the rocks on the ground, and just goes unmoving. And then after that, Thorn is gonna dip behind the crevice that blocks the view of this bigger grove area, and he's gonna cup his mouth and just yell out Mortis's name. As Mortis's name is spoken out loud, all the goblins turns to look at you guys, just as Seeker does their attack. Yeah, they're going to fire their arrow from their short bow. All right, roll for the attack. 23 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. It's going to be 14 piercing damage. A very powerful arrow connects and pierces deep within their chest. They are jolted backwards, but not enough to completely take them out. As they take support from holding a hand onto the bots behind them, they come back standing up, looking at to the side where the other goblin that is destroyed on the ground, he just picks up his short sword and screams and goblin something, which Thorn understands as, It's an attack! Now this is where things are gonna get catastrophic. From the other room, you just hear more shout ha ha and as you guys charge in getting to finally see what was described by seeker you also see the goblin the one that screamed for an attack screaming something else urging something to bring forth from inside of the grove towards you guys 
In the distance, you see four little twigs running towards your direction. Terrifying. But now it is the top of the round with Mephuzo. So the cause fear is going to obviously change targets because the target's dead. So I am going to use the spell on the next person that's closest to me. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to do it on the guy that screamed. And as it switches, the dragons flaps these big shadowy wings and the shadows sort of like fade off of it in this mist. And then the target is kind of changed as the darkness falls over them. It's a 15. It actually just fails. Next is Mortis. At the call of Thorn, Mortis just kicks open the door with all his might. And then he's going to use as much movement as he can to move up closer to where his friends are. Blade at the ready. He's going to hold his sword up near his face and then raise it into the air. Gods, if you hear my call, then strike down with a lightning bolt of despair. As he's going to cast Thunderous Smite on his weapon. And with it, the vibration just increases with the power emanating from you. The fire within the blade intensifies with your own power as well. And that creates a charge of electricity that sparks onto the blade itself. And it's red electricity because it's an evocation noise. And then I'm going to prepare my action to attack the goblin that gets the closest to me. Now it is one of the goblins. This goblin runs closer towards one of the boxes, one of the crates, pulls out their bow and arrow, aims towards Methuselah and shoots. A total of 8 piercing damage as one of the arrows actually connects with your shoulder. I rolled for concentration, it does not drop. The shadowy, horrific visage of the Dark Warden stays behind. I imagine that when Methuselah gets hit by the arrow, the dragon kind of also, you can see that it got impacted by something and it just roars out, flapping its wings once more, but it does not dissipate. Seeker, it is now your turn. The one that I shot last time is still kind of standing, so I'm going to try shooting him again. Go right ahead. 17 to hit. That exactly hits. Roll for the damage. It's going to be five piercing damage. Another well-placed arrow that connects and goes deep within their body. But they are still standing, shaken with fear, but still alive. Alright, with that done, another goblin. This one approaches another container, takes an aim towards Mortis, who's just exposed in the open, and goes for a shot. The arrow flies, connecting with her shell, which is easily able to deflect it as to how sturdy your shell is, and the trajectory of the arrow was not good enough for it to pierce your shell. Another goblin, this one approaches and takes cover behind one of the containers, visualizing Thorn, it goes for an attack. An arrow finally connects with the leg of Thorn, doing a total of 8 piercing damage. Now it is Thorn's turn. Can Thorn see the one armored goblin that's left? You can, yes. He's gonna whip an Eldritch Blast at him, and his hands start to glow red as he fires his beam of red flowers at this goblin. Go right ahead for your attack. That's a 17 hit. That just hits. Roll for the damage. That's 14 force damage. As the Eldritch Blast, this red beam of 
flowery decoration uh, connects with the face of the goblin. It explodes with a burst of luminous red petals that descends slowly, covering the dead body of the goblin that just came. After that, Thorn is gonna jump back to where he was, and that will be his turn for now. Next is another goblin. This one is closest to Mortis, taking the opportunity it lunges to go and quickly stab him. That activates your attack. Uh, that's on 11 to hit, unfortunate. It hits, for this guy is the one wearing least amount of armor or protection in any way. So that's 9 slashing damage, All right. 4 radiant damage, Noise. and 10 thunder damage. It cuts in half. It burns those halves, and then it completely expels the inwards of both halves as you completely decimate this goblin in many different flavors. And as Mortis strikes this goblin and the lightning expels into him, uh, the sound of the thunder is audible for 300 feet. The echo is tremendous. It is as if lightning and thunder echoed within this area. Deafening is the definition of this moment. Because I'm out of it, casting this spell, should I do a concentration because this might jolt me out of it? Sure. Because I hate myself, I'll make myself do a concentration. Uh, so that was a eight. The thunder clap echoes in Methuselah's mind, and that just jolts them out of the fear state that they've sort of digressed into. And as the thunder echoes throughout the room, it's almost as if the dragon is swept away as the concentration of the spell drops. Methuselah finally regains consciousness out of their fear stupor. Next is Erky. It approaches, sees Methuselah with an arrow poking out of their shoulder, and being the closest of comrades, he goes to heal Methuselah. A total of six hit points are brought back to you as Erky places their hand on your back and he goes, You're gonna be okay, buddy. Thank you, my friend. Top of the round, Methuselah. Methuselah gains back their composure and gets some semblance of like bravery back as they start playing on Yorick and as they do they're gonna say well little twigs this is your final act and then is going to play circus music and these colorful spotlights are gonna blink on on where three of the twig lights are but as I do so the shadows do corrupt the usual violet light of the magic and although I'm trying to stay composed like in my head I'm just constantly hearing the shade just whispering things in my ear so I need the three twig lights to make charisma saving throws first one is a six that fails eight fails and a two that fails. All the lovely spotlights are just hanging out over top these three twig lights. With a predominant violet core and multicolored aura, these spotlights, almost like glints of shine, are emanating on top of these twig lights. After his attack impacts and disintegrates the goblin, he stands there for a moment just in awe, and the realization dawns on Mortis at the massive sound that his attack expelled, and his face turns from triumph to deep concern. No, I've ruined this. And then he starts running towards the center of the room. We have to end this now! 
And you guys also notice that he doesn't realize he's shouting, but he's shouting because the attack deafened him a little bit. <laughs> and then as he reaches the center of the room, his leg gives out and he falls, gripping his chest. I can't fail us. I won't fail us. And then he's going to, as his action, activate his channel divinity for Paladin of Doubt. The last straw. Where before there was sound, in this instant, all of it is absorbed and nullified. All that matters is that as Mortis collapses onto their chest, a singular, transparent aura expands Spins fast, almost as if it was the wind pushing dust away, but it's strong. And it goes far, even encompassing you, Mephusla, who's a good 40 feet away. And as it reaches its zenith, the extent of its area, the pressure blinds you as pushes you down first, cratering the area a good foot under the earth. And then it sucks you in, closer towards Mortis, only to be extinguished, as it is propelled violently backwards with an emanating sound, a high-pitched sound, as if you had just blown your eardrums at that one singular moment. I'd like to add that as Mortis is clutching his chest, he does so to the point of pain, inflicting four damage on himself and making the expelled burst of power even more potent. So I need an intelligence saving throw from everyone who's affected. Three from me. All of them were below eight. So everyone fails. So everyone affected by the ability uh, will take six psychic damage. When you guys finally are able to see what happened, it's not like there was a blinding light or something, but there was a actual detrimental stress, a certain assault towards your mind just by looking at that direction. And whoever was affected will also decrease their intelligence by four. Finally, when you guys look back, you see Mortis pretty much falling onto the ground and the crater remains one foot deep into the earth with every single twig blight shattered the goblins fallen onto the ground with blood emanating from their mouths, ears, eyes, and noses. I would say that also Methuselah does have black ichor that just bleeds from the ears and eyes and such. As well, I did do a concentration on my spell. Not that it matters anymore, but I did pass. What do you guys do as the combat has reached its end with your last straw? Seeing Methuselah get hurt by Mortis, even though it wasn't something that Mortis really did intentionally, Thor runs over to Methuselah and takes his arm. Are you okay, Methuselah? Um, I'm I'm fine. I I feel a little bit dazed, like my head is in a sort of weird cloud. Don't feel anything. I I'm I'm all right, and I'll brush myself off and 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 get up and be like, what what happened? I think that seeing Methuselah get attacked, even unintentionally by Mortis with such a strange and violent attack might be enough to rattle Thorn, maybe even bring out the other Thorn. So could I do a wisdom save? Yeah, go ahead. Seeker is also going to roll a wisdom save because they have trauma from what happened with Mortis and Methuselah before. Yeah. Go, do your checks. Uh, 13. I'm going to say that both fails. For you, Seeker, you become afraid of Mortis. You cannot approach him, for you do not know if 
your friend in the state that he is right now might not also hurt you the same way that he hurts your friends. As Thorn sees Methuselah bleeding and injured, his eyes go blank for a second. And then when they're back in the focus, in a split second, Methuselah suddenly feels just a slamming weight into him as Thorn is just like burying his face into Methuselah's shoulder and just openly weeping as he just holds Methuselah so tightly. Methuselah gets hit by Thorn into a hug. Methuselah's just gonna hug Thorn back and be like, Thorn, uh, wh- what what happened? Uh, my mind is a bit in a bit of a daze. Is everything all right? Thorn pulls away to look at you and there's like tears streaming down his face and snot and just, he's just a mess. And you can just probably tell at first glance that his eyes look a little different, a little less wild. And he just hiccups and he's just blubbering. I thought I'd never see you again. I thought when I left that you'd be dead. And he's just absolutely in hysterics. Oh no, don't, don't worry, my friend. Uh, I'm back. I, I, I'm not gone, as you can see. Uh, Mortis uh, made the right choice in the end. Erky approaches you guys, notices that everything is relatively okay, then looks at Seeker. Seeker is fine, although very scared. Looks then towards what Seeker is looking and see Mortis still in the same place that he was before. At this moment when you see Mortis, he he reaches out with his greatsword, stabs it into the ground, and pulls himself up to a kneeling position. And even from a distance, you guys can tell he isn't that physically injured, but he's shuddering as if he had just been hit by a massive attack. Erky then runs towards Mortis. Hey, 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 are you okay? Mortis's eyes are just glassy, and he's just staring ahead, and, and he's just muttering to himself. It's barely audible, but... Every couple of words, Erky just hears, I let us down again. I, I, I keep failing. I, the doubt, it, 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 enveloped me and, and, and enveloped all of us. And, and I can't control it. I, I can't, I can't control it. I, I'm trying. Starting to interrupt you, he goes, no, 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 don't, come, don't say that. Um, all right, we need to get out of here. And. He quickly glances towards one of the goblins that are better dressed, lunges towards it, inspecting it to the best of their abilities, and with a few moments he pulls out what seems to be a key. He goes, we just need to get out of this grove. He looks up and sees the door that is completely opposite from this opening. Guys, over there! And he goes back to Mortis to start guiding you towards the door. All of you guys converges. Seeker. Staying a little bit back, as they do not want to approach Mortis too much. I'm also going to point out, after Erky encouraged him, he, he did slowly get up and sheath his blade, and he's following the rest of the group, but he's just staring down, not making eye contact with anybody. I'd also like to point out that Thorn is gripping Methuselah, a baby monkey, grabbing its mother, literally forcing Methuselah to carry him, and tears are streaming down his face, but as they're walking, he's not looking at Methuselah. He is glaring at Mortis with so much rage. I'm gonna say that Methuselah sort of bends down to let Thorn like climb on top of him because I I can't really carry him, so it'd just be much easier if he's just like on top of me. Finally getting to the door, Erky puts the key onto the padlock. That there is also padlock in this door. It turns and opens. 
go inside quickly. You guys barely realize where you're going into. And as the door closes, and you guys finally have a moment to breathe, you look around. This room is fairly well lit by candlelight in strategic places. It is, for lack of a better term, a study room with a desk, a few bookshelves, and areas with different pots with plants growing at different stages. One is a twig blight, a fossilized, while others are saplings in different versions and different growths. There is on the desk what seems to be a stand that is holding another black book. You guys recognize as another journal of Mongenti. Erky looks around and says, This place looks good enough. Let's barricade this door. That way people cannot enter and we can rest. As we settle into this room, Mortis walks over aimlessly to the far wall and then he just sits down next to it and just stares down. And at this point, you guys notice during the walk, he'd put his hood up. So his the hood of his purple cloak is just covering his eyes. So you can't see them. Whilst Mortis is against one wall, Seeker is going to go on the other side of the room as far away from Mortis as possible. And they're going to just be holding one of their daggers. You place yourself near the desk. I'm going to say that for now, Methuselah will take Thorn and go be with Seeker and just sit and just hold Thorn. All the while still looking over their shoulder, keeping an eye on Mortis because I'm, I want to make sure he's okay, but I first want to make sure Thorn's okay right now. Erky tries to stay in the middle of the room in a way that he tries to keep an eye on both Mortis on the one end and the rest of the group on the other. Methuselah. As you approach the desk and situate yourself in a way to get comfortable, you do notice the journal. Can I take it? I'll say that Methuselah for now is just going to read it to themselves, as this is probably too of intense moment to bring up to the entire group. As anticipated, yesterday's experiment was a resounding success. The power now coursing through my veins is far superior than I previously thought. With this magic, there's no one that can come between me and my plans to bring you back, my love. By channeling the Shadowfell's influence, I have achieved power beyond pathetic mortal limitations. No more hunger, thirst, nor exhaustion or sickness. I can focus all of my time on you, my love. Although this magic does come at a great cost of life, but I can't complain. I never much like the daylight anyways, but I digress. Last night, I finally put these powers to the test and conducted a summoning ritual to call forth a demonic presence. Normally, such things require extreme sacrifice. Instead, I just rendered them to a broken pile of ichor and metal with my bare hands. Then we began negotiations. In exchange for me banishing it back to its hell, they were to inform me of any threats to my plans. The devil then warned me, saying the following. An ashwing sword has been drawn from its sheath and approaches the west to return what has been stolen from death. Stolen your activities for the time being. Lest rumors attract the blades attention. The audacity of the devil was so great that I cannot contain my laughter. They thought a single foe would be enough to breach my Northorn, surpass my subjects, and defeat me? I crushed their skulls so that their spirit could return quickly to the lower plane. Pathetic. 
Nothing can stop me as I am right now. Not even death can claim me. This is so insignificant, it's not even worth my time. I'll let Rakul take care of it. Instead, I'll prioritize bringing you back, my beloved. I'm finally powerful enough to see you again. I expect to raise you by the end of this year. Thus will begin the fiery dawn of our undying draconic empire. Your mortal love, Mojinti. <laughs> With the heavy atmosphere of everything that just transpired, Methuselah distracts himself with the journal of a very old enemy as you guys try to rest for the danger yet to come. episode of the Sullen Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the Sullen Citadel every Thursday on 12 p.m. EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. It's a small way to show your appreciation and support that goes a very long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts. And if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover fantastical bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Wharton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales of the Yawning Portal, the book by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosamundas was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks very much for listening for all of us here at the Storytellers Tavern. And by Lyrta, guide us out of here.